a Sunday just before the 24th of May when Methodists traditionally uh, remember and recall a particular life-changing event in John Wesley's life. Chapter 20, verses 17 to 24, reading from the New Living Translation. But when we landed at Miletus, Paul sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in the city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Sunday just before the 24th of May when Methodists traditionally uh, remember and recall a particular life-changing event in John Wesley's life. It took place back in 1738 of course. And in a few moments time I'll read to you at least part of the uh, extract of John Wesley's journal for that day. But first of all a bit of background and a bit of context just to remind ourselves. Because in 1735 John and Charles Wesley had set out for America. They were going on a mission in which they hoped to preach to the Native American people. Um, unfortunately, the whole expedition didn't live up to their expectations and it was a bit of a disappointment and a failure for them really. And it was a tough time in their lives. Charles returned in, I think, 1736. Uh, John returned back to England in early 1738. But on their travels, they had met with a group of Moravian Christians from Germany, whose assured faith impressed them hugely and made them realise, I think, that there was something missing in their own lives and in their own faith. On the Sea Passage, there were some terrible storms and John and the passengers were afraid for their lives. John prayed with the English passengers and even baptised a baby brought to him by a mother in case they didn't make it through. Um, but in contrast, the Moravian Christians continued to sing their hymns calmly and were completely unafraid. This impressed the Wesleys enormously and on their return from America they sought out the Moravians um, to try and find out the secret of their faith, what made them so different. And one of their leaders, Peter Bowler, became something of a mentor to John. And then in May 1738, Charles Wesley fell ill and was fearful for his life, and so he gave some thought to his spiritual life. 
Was he really ready to meet his maker? He was held in prayer by friends who asked that he might feel the presence of the Holy Spirit to comfort him. And then on Pentecost Sunday, of all days, May the 21st, 1738, in between visits from his doctor, his brother, his friends, Charles had a personal encounter with the Spirit and he described it in his journal as a strange palpitation of the heart. And he went on to write, I now find myself at peace with God and rejoice in the hope of loving Christ. When John went to see Charles the following day, they prayed that John might have a similar sort of experience. And two days after that, the evening of the 24th of May, came the moment that changed John's life. And this is how he recorded that moment in his diary. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to society in Aldersgate Street, where one was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I didn't trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and had saved me from the law of sin and of death. And so I wonder what we're going to make of this experience of John Wesley all those years ago. Is it something that is still relevant? Does it have something still to say to us, I wonder? Well, as I reflect on it, I think there are two words that sum up for me something of its importance. And those words are grace and they are transformation. Because this is, of course, above all else, a moment of divine grace reaching out to Wesley. It's the gift of God, nothing more and nothing less. It's a gift, I think, first of all, in its timing. With honesty, Wesley records that he went very unwillingly to that meeting in Aldersgate Street. This clearly wasn't um, an experience that he was expecting that night. It wasn't something he had conjured up. It wasn't something he had anticipated. This was God's choice. This was God's gift and God's moment. It puts me in mind of those two travellers setting out from, or setting out to, Emmaus, on the first Sunday evening of Easter, talking sorrowfully about what had happened over that weekend in Jerusalem, talking about their loss, talking about their disappointments, not at all expecting that they would encounter the living Jesus on their way. And yet they did. And so it was with Wesley, unexpectedly encountering the living Christ. And we don't know when God will draw near to us. We don't know what form it will take. We can't anticipate it. Those moments can't be predicted. They can't be held on to. They certainly can't be put in a glass jar and preserved. They are gifts. They are God's grace. They are moments to be received and treasured. And then, of course, the content of the experience back in 1738 was one of grace as well. Because outwardly, John Wesley was a preacher and a priest. He was a man of holiness and of commitment and of goodness and of generosity. And yet inwardly, John knew the disappointments of his time in America. 
he was dissatisfied with himself. He was dissatisfied with his faith. He knew he lacked the peace and the assurance and the hope that he saw in the likes of Peter Bora and the rest of the Moravian Christians. Perhaps it's a human trait that we tend to think that we can contribute something to God's favour and regard, to kind of earn our place in his, uh, by our own goodness in his favour. And apparently Charles Wesley said to Peter Bowler that he hoped he would be saved because, and I quote, I have used by my best endeavours to serve God. And then he was taken aback when Peter Bowler sadly shook his head. No, it doesn't work like that. What the Wesleys received on the 21st and then the 24th of May was a reassurance, the awareness that they were saved by grace, by God's gift of love, unearnable, unfathomable, revealed in the story of Easter, simply to be received by faith. God's love was sure, God's grace and forgiveness were assured. I came across by chance the other day uh, the story of a sister Claire Crockett born in Derry. She was born in 1982 and dreamed of being a movie star and she was talented and as a teenager was beginning to be noticed. I think in many ways she was quite an ordinary sort of uh, typical girl. Fun loving, would smoke, would have a drink. Uh, when she was 17 she went on holiday to Spain. She went to enjoy the sun uh, but she ended up going to uh, the, the church, the chapel, because it was Good Friday with others. Um, she sat at the back because she didn't want to be noticed, but then as there were a queue of people going forward in a Catholic church to kiss the crucifix, she went forward as well. And it was profound for her. After the service, she was found by a nun crying and saying, he died for me, he loves me. Why has no one told me this before? It was a moment that changed her life. It was a moment and it was a content of grace, of realisation, of awareness, of God's gift of love and hope and promise for her. And the second word is that word of transformation, because May the 24th, 1738, was a transformative moment in the life of John Wesley. It was, of course, transformative on a very, very personal level. It came to him, I think, as a release from his deep sense of frustration and of dissatisfaction. It wasn't like a wand that waved away all his questions or eased the course of his life or freed him from all the constraints of being a fallible human being like the rest of us. But it gave him an assurance. It gave him a peace. It gave him a confidence in God's love and presence. And through all of those things, it gave him an inner strength. In 1735, he had been a man fearful of death on the crossing to America, surrounded by the storms. And yet on his deathbed, many, many years later, he is reputed to have raised his arms in the air and have said twice with all his strength, the best of all, God is with us. A phrase that remains powerful for Methodists through to this day. And of course it was transformative in a way well beyond the personal because we are here today sharing in a Methodist service alongside millions of other Methodists around the world and as people have done for generations because of that moment 
in Aldersgate streets. The work of the Wesleys went of course far beyond the travelling and the preaching and the writing of hymns and the organisation of a movements. John Wesley was passionate about health and about healing. He was passionate about social care. He argued strongly against slavery. He responded to the inequalities of his day. As it says on our Methodist website for 1738, the struggle of faith was transformed into the gift of offering practical love. That moment at about a quarter to nine in Aldersgate Street all those years ago, maybe it was not primarily about John Wesley at all. It was actually about God's mission and God's care for his people and his world. As it happens, Sister Claire Crockett, who I mentioned a few moments ago, sadly died tragically in an earthquake back in, I think, 2016 in South America. Her life as a nun had taken her to serve in Spain and the United States and indeed in South America. And after she died, many people paid tribute to the way she, her life had touched theirs for good. What a difference she had made to them. What started with kissing a crucifix on a church in Spain on Good Friday and the touch of the Holy Spirit had a lasting effect. What followed after was really, really important. And next Sunday is, of course, Pentecost, when we'll hear again the story of the gift of the Holy Spirit coming to those first apostles in tongues of flame and in rushing wind. And if you hear that story and attend to it, one of the things you might notice is how brief in that story the actual description of that moment is. As Luke tells the story, he gives far more column inches to the effect of the coming of the Spirit, to the range of people who hear, to their astonishment, to what happens next, to the preaching of the first sermon by Peter in the life of the Christian church. In the same way, Wesley's description of that experience on the 24th of May are really just a few short sentences. What's important is what then follows, the rest of all those four volumes of his diary. 24th of May was an important moment, it was a transformative moment for him personally, but also way beyond the personal. This is God's mission and God's love working in a new way. And so maybe this is the right time for us to be reminded of that day all those years ago, because this week we look forward and prepare ourselves for Pentecost, for the hope and the promise and the prayer of God's Spirit being alive in his church and in us today and in the coming weeks. I'm going to finish by reading to us a prayer written by the Reverend Dr Martin Atkins that is on the Methodist website and its resources for this Sunday. The prayer goes like this. Resourceful Holy Spirit of God, we thank you for your servants John and Charles Wesley, that you fueled their zeal and tempered it with divine grace, brought them through dark times, enlightened and renewed, that you warmed their needy hearts 
assured and shaped them by your active holiness, that through their willingness you worked out your purposes of hope, mercy and justice. Somewhat daunted, we stand today in their deep footsteps, in a world of new challenges and old needs in a time like no other. But undaunted, we humbly ask you to do in us what you did in and through them. May we know both your infilling and outpouring, that whatever our situation or condition, we will serve and honour Christ. And in these days, our days, know and believe that the best of all is, God is with us. Amen.
content in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved.